0: Your text today, I know it says something in the bulletin, but I've made a change this morning. But it is John 3, 16. John 3, 16 is where we're going to start. Dr. Bloom founded OCA, it seemed like about the last year he preached up here. Every, every sermon started with John 3, 16. So I guess, well, we might as well stick with what worked. And um, our series is on people. Uh, how are they tormented eternally uh, in hell? We've preached two sermons on it, and I just felt a little, today I ought to go just a little bit different direction. But uh, we're going to come back to it two weeks from today. Next Sunday we have the evangelist for both services, so two weeks from today I'll be back to it. But um, I would kind of look at this as... Uh, the way to miss that torment in hell. Okay, so the way to miss that torment in hell. And so this is something that uh, I think that we ought to put out there so that you have an idea of uh, what you need to do in order to escape the torments of hell. In John 3, beginning with verse 16, and we're going to go through verse 21. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. I like that as the purpose of His coming, by the way. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world. Now think about that, that light is coming to the world. Who was that light? Jesus Christ. And men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be made, should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, and that they are wrought in God. Now shall we pray. Father, as we look to your word today now, I pray you'd help me to rightly divide it. But Lord, I pray again, if there's one in this auditorium who does not know that if they died today that heaven's their home, I pray that today would be the day they come to him. Lord, perhaps there's something in this message for saved people that... It will help them in witnessing to the lost. So Lord, I just pray that you'd direct the heart's attention to each part of this message today. And we'd ask it in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen. Well, so far we've been looking at torments in hell. And when a person dies today, if they die without Jesus Christ, they go to a place called hell. Now, uh, the world has pictures of hell. They have little devils with pitchforks, and they're all red and so forth, but that's not hell. Uh, the rich man was in hell. We use that uh, example in one of our sermons already in this. And he said, I am tormented in this flame. At that time, before Jesus' resurrection, there was a place uh, that was, we, we call it, call it uh, you know, we, we call it Hades. It's for hell, for the unsaved. But really, before that, there was Abraham's bosom, paradise. Then there was a the Great Gulf. Then there was Hades. And then there was a place called Tartarus in the Greek, which is a place where uh, devils are tormented. They don't do the tormenting. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. They are tormented there. Uh, they don't want to go there before the time we read in the book of Matthew. So I'm telling you, it's a place where spirits are just as alive as our spirit is right now in this auditorium. Their spirits are alive. They're clothed, not with the body they walked in on earth. That body's in a grave. But they're in a body that lasts through hell but feels everything this body can feel. If this body touches fire, that body can touch fire only they don't cease to exist. They don't escape. And there's no hope of it. We remember one of the torments of hell's Wells is that he asked that Lazarus be able to come down there to where he is and just put his finger in water and touch his tongue. He couldn't even have thirst satisfied in hell. But there's a body that's going to have that. In hell, he was told, son, remember. And perhaps he would remember the times that he had an opportunity to be saved and passed it up. How he mocked and scorned the opportunities that were before him. And so the man that dies without Jesus Christ, that's what awaits him. There are other torments of hell that we're going to talk about Uh, two weeks from today. Uh, I'm going to be using, as a matter of fact, Mark chapter 9, verses 44 through 48, when we get there. But I want you to understand, there are other torments that go on right now. And at the end of the age, when all of that is caught up before the great white throne of God, everyone in hell is going to be cast into the lake of fire. As we've told you, that's like going from jail to prison. Maximum security. Forever. With no hope, whatever when the rich man in hell said, please send somebody to my brothers to to tell them. He says, they won't believe, even if one did raise from the dead. But he could not have that prayer answered to send somebody from down there to go up and witness to his brothers. And yet, when we look ahead, we understand that there's going to be no prayers answered in hell or that eternal lake of fire. So, we need to keep that in mind as we go into this today. And what I want you to understand, there's no, there are no scriptures that are of private interpretation. For an example, I, I wrote a booklet here a few years ago. Uh, it's been quite a few years ago now, but it was called In the Way They Should Go. It's on Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And over the years, uh, and I remember here, even in college, being taught on that passage. Okay, you train them up according to the Word of God. You teach them the doctrines of God's Word. You teach them the, the principles, the ethics, the morals, and all that. You teach them those things. They'll never depart from it. They'll never go wrong. Others taught, well, they can go wrong, they can do bad, but before they die, they'll come back. And that's the way it was taught. As a matter of fact, that booklet is still available. It's on our website, and you just look at booklets by Andy Bloom, and you'll, on our website, and click on it, and you go look it up in the way they should go. But I, I just come across a lot of parents that were brokenhearted. They said, I don't know what I did wrong. We had family altar. We, we, uh, had them in Christian school. We had them in church every service. We taught them faithfulness church. Uh, We did not let, let them participate in worldly things. We just, man, we had rules, we had standards, and they still went bad. And Many times they felt guilty that they had messed up, they had done something wrong. And yet, that's not what the verse means. Not depart simply means this. You train them up the way they should go. You train them up in the Word of God. You train them up in doctrine, the morals, and everything else. You train them in how they should go. Not depart means it's always going to be there. Therefore, there's always hope. You ever, maybe you remember this as a high school kid when you are in high school. Uh, you come home, and you had good Christian parents, good godly parents, and, and, uh, They had standards. You go out with some of your friends and you do things you're not supposed to do. They were wrong. They were sin. You knew you'd be in big trouble if your parents found out. Boy, you laughed. Boy, you had a good time. You come home and you put your hand on the door handle and there's some kind of a special thing in that door handle that sends a wave throughout your body and changes your attitude. You go in there yeah, you know, parents this, and parents that, you know, and you just haven't. An ad- and it's seen, your parents haven't said a thing, done a thing yet. Good to see you home. Yeah, 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 you know. And 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 so they're trying to figure out what in the world is going on. Oh, did you get in trouble? Having oh no, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine, you know. And 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 what is it? Well, you're sitting there wondering, man, those kids take after their mother. Um, but whatever it is. You just can't figure it out. And, and so, what happened is those kids, you put the word of God in their heart and mind. They know they've done wrong. Oh, yes, they laughed. They enjoyed it with their friends. But there's that conviction. See, the hope for your child is that conviction is always there. That's why you have family altar. That's why you raise them in church. That's why you're faithful. That's why you keep them from the world. That's why you try to do what is right. Okay? And so you, you train them up in the way they should go, and when they are old, it'll still be there to convict them, even if you're gone. Now, some people have told me, well, no, they'll come back before they die. Look, I've known guys that were raised in those good Christian homes that got killed in a car accident and never come back to, to get right. So, uh, there's something wrong with it just by experience. So let me me just say, a lot of times we get theories, we get uh, philosophies, we get science, but really the bottom line for every saved individual is the Word of God. And what the Word of God says is the way it's going to be. People say, I don't believe a good God would create a hell. Then you don't know the God of the Bible. And furthermore, more importantly than that, you don't know that God is holy. You have no concept of holiness. If you knew how holy God is, and by the way, I don't say, I know everything about the holiness of God. I don't. That takes a lifetime of study, and you really don't know it in full until you get to heaven. But God is holy. He is absolutely holy. Now, I have said all of that just to uh, kind of build up here a little bit uh, to what I want to get into. Now, when I think of all of these things that I've just gone over, And the torments of hell that we've already covered, some of those torments, I want people to avoid that. I believe they're going to happen, just like the Bible says they will. Just like the Bible said 2,000 years before Jesus came in in Psalms 22, how he was going to die for our sins. How he was going to pay that price. Isaiah 53, 700 years before that. It's all clear. As a matter of fact, if you read Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the seed of the woman, the woman's not the seed, so how could it be the seed of the woman? A virgin birth? In Genesis, in just the first man and woman, it was already told after the fall, immediately after the fall, of a virgin birth of a Savior who would come. And he did exactly like the Bible said it would happen. So, I believe the Bible. So, how do we get by this? How do we uh, overcome this? Now, understand, we're born with a sin nature. Every one of us inherited that from Adam. Yet, we can't blame Adam. Adam. I was talking with a man that really messed up just this past week. Boy, he messed up badly in his life. I mean, badly in moral ways. And then he said, You know, I guess we've all done bad things. I said, Yes, sir. I think everyone in this world has done bad things. They've sinned. But you can't blame your own sin on everyone else because they've done it too. You're going to be accountable for yourself, not for everyone else. You are accountable. Every one of us shall give an account of himself unto God. And he said, Well, he said, Yeah, that's true too. And that is, it is, you are accountable unto God Almighty. And one day you will stand before Him. So how do we prepare for that? Well, I'm going to read some scriptures to you. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the Lord. Acts chapter 17, verse 30 and 31. In the times of this ignorance, God winked at. Now let me give you the background for the times of this ignorance in Acts 17. The Apostle Paul is at a place called the Mars Hill over, as they say in the old country, over in Greece, in, in, in uh, Athens there. And he's at Mars Hill. Boy, isn't that wonderful? Great sermon. No, he sees all these images. They even have an image to the unknown God. We don't know who he is, but here's his image. And so, when he starts preaching to them, he lets them know that the times of this ignorance, that kind of worship, God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere, not just the men in Athens, just not the men on Mars Hill, all men everywhere in the whole world, because God so loved the worlds we read this morning. All men everywhere to repent. Why? Because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world. How is he going to do that? In righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained Whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. That's speaking of Jesus Christ. Our salvation is in him and him alone. Only he bears my sin. He became sin for, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He that knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's what he did for us. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. I bear it no more. Oh, my goodness. My life is everlasting life. Now, do I still sin? Daily. Daily. The blood was shed for my sin. But remember, as the disciples sat around that table that day, they sat around the table and it's the Last Supper. And the Lord begins to wash their feet. And he gets to Peter, Not my feet! You're not going to wash mine, Lord. And I'm sure that Peter said that out of the idea of this is the Lord. I mean, earlier he had said, when he asked him, who, who, who do people say that I am? And now, who do you say that I am? He says, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. If Peter had said that in front of the authorities, they would have been ready to crucify him as well at that very moment. They would have had him put to death. Because saying that he was the Son of the living God, the idea is the very, very seed of God. He was the son of the living God. And that would make him equal with God. And so when he said that, the Lord said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona." The Lord revealed that to him. But now he's thinking, this is my Lord. He's not going to wash my feet. Not so, Lord. He says, so if I don't wash, wash your feet, you don't have any part with me. You're not going to uh, rule and reign my kingdom. You're not going to have any part to do with me. He says, not my feet, my everything, head, everything. Just wash me all over. And the Lord said, no, you just need to have your feet washed. You've already been washed in the blood. But you know what? When we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness as Christians. That's when we get those feet washed. But you know what? It's still that blood that He's shed on the cross is washing those feet. You say, well, if I didn't confess my sin, would I still go to heaven if I'm saved? Yeah. Yeah. You really would. But being ashamed at His appearing and saved so as by fire is not a good thing. I want to go to heaven having done my best. Doing God's will, God's way, in God's timing. Now that brings us to Acts 20, 21. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. Repentance towards God and faith. Toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Why does it say repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ? God, the all holy God, all sin is against God. If you get mad at me and or somebody in this auditorium and you shoot to kill them, you kill them. He said, "Well, I guess that would be a sin against that person. Yes, but more than that, it's a sin against God. It's a sin against God." I, I was. I was at a drugstore. One of my prescriptions ran out. So I said, well, I'm going to go renew that. And I said, you know what? They don't even open that window till 9 o'clock. So I'm going to get there at 845. No, they opened at uh, 8 o'clock, isn't it? I, whatever it is. I got there 15 minutes early. I had a stroke. I can't remember which time. Uh, but I so I'm going to get there 15 minutes. I pulled in, and there is a senior citizen rest home bus there, just pulling in. I says, I'll never get up there if I don't run in. Okay, so I ran in and got the front line, because, you know, I've got to get down here get back to work. And so I'm standing there at the front of the line, and I see it's about 10 till now, and it's going to be 9 o'clock there, and I'll, I'll be ready. So about 10 till 9, I'm standing there happy, and all of a sudden I hear this, where is your mask? <laughs> and yeah. I looked around, and certainly there's one of those elderly ladies from the home. She's in a wheelchair. She's got the mask on. And, and this is the truth. I says, I leave my, I, I left my mask at home. I, I wear a bandana. I told her I wear a bandana. I left it at home. I, I says, I got out the door and forgot it this morning. Now, I wouldn't have been wearing it, but I still left it at home. I always take it with me. I just left it at home. Now, so I'm standing up there. And... She says, don't you know that that virus can kill you? As a matter of fact, it will kill you. It will kill you if you don't wear a mask. I mean, these, this, that's her words. I mean, she's, she's preaching away to me. And so I'm standing there kind of looking over my shoulder. And uh, I, I turn to her and I says, well, you know, if it does, heaven's not a bad thing, is it? It sounds, it's better than here. She said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She says, I'm going to go see my mama and my sister. I don't even see Jesus. I said, okay. Then she saw that little sword there. And she said, are you a pastor or a politician? (laughs) There's something about having a suit on or something like that that thinks you're a politician or a pastor. I was really offended then, okay? <laughs> but I said, Well, no, that's the sword. It's for the sword of the Lord. Tell us how we can get to heaven through the, that. I said, That's how we get to heaven. So that's the sword of the Lord. The word of God tells us how to get there. I says, Are you going to heaven? And I can't tell you exactly what she said, but she said, Yeah, I haven't done anything to anybody, and I haven't done any blank. And what she said was, uh, Where'd you find? written on restroom walls. So, I realized then, whoa, and about, I see about two or three people standing out there doing, you know, and the door is open, says, sir, come on up here. I said, oh, thank you, Lord. You know, thank you, Lord. You know, I'm going up there. Now, now, she said, she made this statement to She says, you know, if you don't have a mask on, as a matter of fact, she even said, I've got a bandana in my purse. I'll give that to you to wear. I said, no, well, I, I cleaned it. I, I said, no, yes, ma'am, but I've got my favorite one at home, you know. Um, but so, uh, there, there it is. I, I, I'm not going to wear that bandana. But she says, well, let me tell you, if you don't wear that bandana, you don't wear a mask, you're going to get the COVID. If you get COVID, you're going to die. And if you die... That is like committing suicide because you committed suicide because you didn't wear a mask. And when you get to heaven, you're not going to be allowed in. The judge won't let you in because you committed suicide and that was murder. That's what she said. And I asked them in the back. No, I didn't. I was going to say I asked them in the back to have anything stronger than what they were giving me, you know. Um, but, I mean, I had that experience but you know what? She was a witness for that better than what we are for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, really. I, was, I got to the point where I was enjoying it after a minute or two because it was just fun. But at first, it caught me by surprise, but then it got to be fun. But I, you know, I asked her about the Lord and all that, and then I got up there in front of it, and I, th- I don't know if she was witnessing <laughs> somebody else. Uh, but that's, that's the way it went. Now, All sin is against God. It won't be my sin that sends me to hell if I died without Christ. It'll be the fact that I did not receive Christ as my Savior. Now, let's go back to our text. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Whosoever is still whosoever. That, that includes me. That includes me. But God, his Son who's equal with him, who lived in eternity past, who sat on that high and exalted throne, that we see in the book of Isaiah, the angels are saying, "Holy, holy, holy." You're seeing Ezekiel that's up like a throne, setting up there with a big rainbow going around it, and so forth, and 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 they're crying out, "Holy to the Lord!" And the angels, the best thing they can do is for to carry out something He tells them to do. That's an honor. He is God. God the Son. And in the council of the Trinity, He sends His Son to this earth. A Spirit, the Holy Spirit, takes the Spirit of Christ and comes upon Mary. And the Father begins to form a flesh over the next nine months. And that baby will be born, the Son of God. A virgin birth. He would be tested. He'd be tried. He'd be cussed. He would be uh, spat upon. He would be cruelly crucified. But as everything man thought he was doing to Jesus Christ, he said, "I had the power to lay it down, and I had the power to take it again." Man thought he did. You ever, when your little kids were little, and they're about two years old, and you wrestle with them? Oh, oh, I give up. You're beating me up. And you know, that little kid feels good. You know, they wrestle with daddy, and they beat daddy. Oh, they feel so good. Well, the world felt that way about Jesus Christ. We got him. He rose up from the dead. Even with their best soldiers, the best soldiers of the day, surrounding the tomb, they couldn't do a thing about it. He rose from the dead, victorious over hell and the grave. Therefore, Revelation 1.18 says that He has the keys of hell and of death. So, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He loved the world, then He gave His, shed His blood for the whole world. Not for our sins only, 1 John 2, 2 says, but for the sins of the whole world. He is the propitiation. The word propitiation there in 1 John 2, 2 means He is the entire payment for all sin, for all time. You say, can God save me? Oh, yes, he can. But it must be his way. Now, as we look at the rest of that text uh, that we started out with this morning. For God sent not his son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's why Jesus came. Verse 18 says, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. See, you come to this world condemned unless you get a Savior. You're condemned. There's only one Savior. And you must receive Him as your Lord and Savior. And this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. You see, when you love darkness rather than light, then you haven't repented, you haven't converted. You know, conversion is to turn from one state to another. Now, there are those out there teaching, oh, we've got liberty. I can drink, I can move in and just live together with somebody. Uh, You can have gay marriage, you can have all these other things because we have liberty. No, you don't. I mean, yeah, you've got the freedom to do that in this country. And because you're created in the image of God, you've got a free spirit, but the free spirit choices that you make that go against God, if it's to love darkness rather than light, means you've got an eternity in, the, in that lake of fire. And just the hell that we've talked about so forth would scare me. And I think it did Noah, moved with, just really, he He, he was moved. Moved with fear, the Bible says. He built an ark. But he built it to the specifications God gave him. The specifications for us to get saved is to believe that Jesus died on the cross for every sin you ever have or ever will commit. And when he was dying there, he did it for you, he did it for me, he did it for each of us. And the penalty was paid in full. You believe that he did that for you. Look, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 Verse 9 tells us there were the effeminate, the homosexual, there were uh, the sexual predators, there were all of those kinds, the drunkards, and murderers, all of those. He says, such were some of you. They're not that way anymore. Why? There was a conversion. You don't change yourself, the Lord changes you. You come to Him and say, Lord, I can't do it. But I give you my life to do it. Amen. He cleanses you in His blood. He places his Holy Spirit. You now, there's a lot said today about mentorship. We, you need to be a mentor. And, and I understand a little bit about what they're saying, but really we've got the Holy Spirit of God and his word is the best mentor. Yes, he gives us teachers, he gives us others, and that's a good thing. But if that teacher or that mentor, whatever it is, does something just a little bit different from the word of God. That mentor, that teacher's no good. Not going to help you, it's going to hurt. God's Word is the final authority, and so God's Word told us how to be saved. Believing that He died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead, you call upon Him to save your soul. You give Him your life. As we've told you, it's just like uh, Ephesians 5. 5, and you, you start reading that, and you think, well, this is all about marriage. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, you know, uh subjected to your husband. Go through all of that. Then he says, I speak concerning Christ and the church, in verse 32. In other words, a believer, the individual. The commitment you make in marriage is no stronger than the commitment that we make to Christ when we come to Him for the salvation of our soul, giving Him our life, and for Him to begin a new life in me. Therefore, if I be in Christ, I am a new creation. I'm a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. God didn't lie about that. That's the truth. And so, in finishing that passage out, but he that doeth the truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest. I don't like my deeds being made manifest sometimes. But then the salvation I do, that I came to him in repentance and faith, believing he died for me, and trusting that if I came to him, And let him come into my heart and life as Lord and Savior. He would save me and give me everlasting life. God doesn't lie. And he says in John 6, 37, if you come to him, he did no wise cast you out. So what is the need? Come to him. Come as you are, just as I am. (laughs) You don't get good enough for the Lord. Let me close with these verses. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. You don't save yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, I don't work to get saved, and I don't work to stay saved. But so often we read those two verses, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And we stop. But the next verse is just important. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. How are we His workmanship? We receive Him into our life as our Lord and Savior, that He begins to work in our life. Sometimes He has to spank. Sometimes He has to bring trials in. To trust him through it all. But just understand, we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. As you seek the Lord, after you receive him as your Lord and Savior, He's in charge. He's in charge. He's the one that gives the orders. He's the one that we follow. Look, I'm the pastor of this church, but really we do according to the Word of God. It's His orders. I'm, my job is to see that they're carried out. And in your personal life, your job is to see that it's carried out. Therefore, you've got to be in the Word of God to know what His orders are. But that doesn't mean anything if He's not first-year Lord and Savior. I mean, He is God. He is the Lord. He is the Savior but he gives you that free will to accept him or reject him. If you don't receive him and you love the darkness rather than the light, just understand your eternity is a lake of fire. Don't say, I'm going to wait to get saved because you have no guarantee of the next minute. If you die today, Do you know that heaven is your home? If not, why not make sure today? Let's bow our heads, please.